0: check and make sure mom's in the house we are so so excited i love mother's day because this is a day where i get a little extra extra help from my bride julie thanks for being here baby and hey, happy mother's happy day to be here. Thank you
1: thank now, you Mother, we love
0: getting to do this real quickly before we get into the message this morning i want to go back into something that alex mentioned just a few minutes ago something in the water everybody take out your little something in the water cards i am really really fired up about this series that starts next weekend this is an idea I had a few years ago. I know it's Mother's Day, but just bear with me for a second. I had this idea when I was fishing a few years ago. Everybody loves the water, especially this time of year when it starts to get hot in Texas. You, you love to go near the water, be in the water, be on the water. And I realized there's something about water that kind of communicates a lot about who God is. There's power in the water. There's beauty in the water. There's refreshment in the water. And so that's kind of where this series comes from. That starts next Weekend, So we're going to kind of start summer a little early at Lake Hills Church with something in the water. Invite somebody you know to be a part of next week. I'm telling you, this series is going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to discover a lot about who God is over the next few weeks. That's all I got.
1: That's all very you, Very good, very good. Well, happy Mother's Day to you. I do love being up here. With Mac on Mother's Day, and I want to start, though, with a confession today. Actually, a (laughs) couple of confessions. Since we're going to be teaching about marriage and family and parenting, I feel like I need to tell you that there was this one time when Emily was seven months old, and she would not stop crying. And, um... You know, I loved her and everything, but she was really getting on my nerves, <laughs> and she was bugging me, and I could not figure it out, and then I realized that I would forgotten to feed her. <laughs> so, sorry Hate about that. that. Sorry about that, Emily. You appeared to have bounced back. Um while I'm on that, I may as well include Joseph. There was this time in fifth grade when Joseph was playing football, and it was tackle football. And he um, had had a game on Saturday, and he came home, and he was complaining about um, his arm hurting. We checked it out, and it wasn't swollen or anything, and so we said, quit whining. And... Um, We said, don't be dramatic at practice tomorrow and quit trying to get attention. I think my
0: exact words were suck it up.
1: I think that was probably it. Uh, And so I gave him an Advil and said, don't try to be the center of attention. And so I'm guessing, oh, it was. It was on Thursday of that week when the sweet nurse Kimbrough of Forest Trail Elementary called me. And apparently Joseph's arm was broken and um yeah (laughs) i have never been so irritated with him when the nurse called (laughs) and i got to the school and i was glaring at him i'm like how dare you tell her that it has been hurting since saturday okay i mean way to throw mom under the bus and i mean i complained all the way to the doctor i got him a snack and i'm like are you holding it in your broken (laughs) hand i I was was terrible i mean (laughs) Let me tell
0: you something. And the whole time she was on the phone with me going, he says it's broken. I go, he's fine. Don't even get him a snack. So dramatic.
1: And so the doctor comes in and goes, it's broken. I mean, (laughs) Joseph has never (laughs) smiled so big, and I have never felt so small. It was probably my worst parenting moment ever. And so I just need to confess that to all of you. And Joseph already knows (laughs) because he loves to bring that up. I want to if start... you'll notice who
0: doesn't have a microphone today, yeah. it's our kids. Let
1: me assure you of something. <laughs> Mac and I are up here because we love marriage and family, and we love the local church, and we love what God has designed marriage and family to be. We are not up here because we have done everything perfectly, <laughs> and no one would love to share that with you more than our two children, um, but maybe next year. That will be your opportunity. You know what, though? The beauty of God's word, the beauty of God's calling on our lives, whether it's about motherhood or whatever it is, he never calls or commands us to perfection. Mm. He calls and commands us to participation. You see, He has designed each of us with a plan, with a vision for our lives, and He calls us to walk alongside Him, to partner with Him, to live life under His authority according to His ways, and then we find the strength, the tenacity, the patience, the peace, the joy. All that he has desired for us to experience in motherhood, outside of motherhood, whatever your case may be. And that is the beauty of God's design. It is not about perfection. It is always about our participation. And, you know, that participation, when it comes to motherhood, requires a relentless pursuit (laughs) it is a relentless pursuit Galatians 6 9 says do not grow weary in doing good for in the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up and parenting is a process and man there are days there are nights there are moments where you there are seasons when you want to give up and Man, we just want to cheer you on. Yeah. We are up here because we, said we have not done it perfectly. We don't have all the answers, but we know the God who does. So we will start with our theme verse for today. Um, all over the world, churches are reading Proverbs 31 because it describes a godly woman, a noble woman. And so we want to start with Proverbs 31, verse 25. Proverbs 31 verse 25 says, she is clothed in strength and dignity. I'm going to stop right here. Um, I didn't go to (laughs) seminary, but I'm pretty sure that is Greek for she is clothed in yoga pants and a t-shirt. And great comfort in that verse and knowing that God knows my heart and he knows those days when I meant to get dressed you know but I keep going and he knows the days when really I'm living a lie I had no plan on working out but I wore the workout clothes anyway you know he's so gracious I, I, that's what I read into that verse right there and I don't know the seminary graduate may have don't tell me if it means something different so, I
0: think you're right on the money honey. she is
1: clothed in strength and dignity and she loves laughs without fear of the future. She is clothed in strength and dignity, not because of how she feels about herself and her own strength and her own wisdom, but again, she is partnering with God in this pursuit and she is clothed with strength and dignity because she finds confidence in his strength she finds clarity in his word therefore she stands she walks she parents with strength and dignity she laughs without fear of the future not because she knows what the future holds but she knows who holds her future you know a godly woman is not perfect but she participates with her creator god in this pursuit and she never ever ever gives up because I tell you what, if you consider parenting, if you consider all that motherhood entails, you probably kind of want to throw up in your mouth a little bit. And that is completely appropriate, you know, because if you are not overwhelmed, you're not really thinking about it, okay? So we all feel overwhelmed and underqualified, but fortunately for us, God says, participate with me and I will fill in the gaps. You know, Mother's Day is a very special day at our house. We celebrate, as everyone should, with a cheeseburger and fries. And we believe that it is a great celebration. I'm really petitioning for it to be Mother's Month. You know, I mean, why try to smush it all into one day? And, And then one day, perhaps, we'll have a Mother's Year. I can see it. I have a vision for what it can be. But not everyone celebrates on Mother's Day, and we know that. You know, there are some some women out there who long to be mothers and they are dealing with infertility. And there are some moms out there who are estranged from their children. Or maybe there are some kids out there, adult kids, who've lost their moms or who are estranged from their moms. We want you to know that we acknowledge that today, that not every Mother's Day is a celebration for everyone. And we don't know the depths of your hurt or your sadness. But I do know this, the pit of despair, there is no pit deep enough that goes beyond the reach of God's love. There is no pit that will take you to a place that God does not love you and does not reach out to you and say, come to me, you're my child. Your life may not look exactly like what you thought it would look like, but I continue to have a plan and a vision for your life. Because whether you celebrate motherhood today or not, I know this to be true. John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So no matter where you are today, I can assure you of this. God desires, and he sent Jesus so that wherever you are, you may live a full life, a rich and abundant life, a life overflowing, a life better than anything you can dream or imagine. And that is what we want to share with you today. We don't want to add to your to-do list. We just want to cheer you on in what you're already doing.
0: And I, I just want to echo that because I think one of the things, when I talk to moms, and, and Julie and I have talked a lot about this, particularly when our kids were younger and littler, we're, we're within weeks, within just a few brief months of being empty nesters, which is kind of surreal. It doesn't even seem possible that we're like at that stage, but it's coming.
1: Because we're still 35. I mean, what's it's that? weird.
0: But we're very, very excited about it, I, I think. I'm excited. Okay, good. This is kind of a counseling session. Y'all didn't know that, but y'all are like our, our feedback. But we're so excited about it, and it's absolutely surreal that it's actually here, that we're actually staring down the barrel of the empty nest and so looking forward to it. But one of the things that we've thought about so much is how when our kids were younger, we were, and I think especially Julie, spent life Exhausted. How many moms know what I'm talking about when I just say it is exhausting to be a mom? I mean, you just and I you know, I thought about when you were talking just a second, I thought, how many moms have gone looking for someplace to resign? You just don't have anywhere to give your letter of resignation to. You just like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm out. Good luck, take care, right if you get work. But one of the things that we want to really do today is provide an amazing opportunity for power in your life, to give you something to hold on to personally as a mom because so much of what you do is giving life to other people and, first of all, giving life, like biology life, to other people, but also encouraging your kids, coaching your kids, correcting your kids, your spouse, whatever the case might be, that a lot of times you get run down. You get tired, and you're the last one to get taken care of if you're not careful. And so to get at this, we want to go kind of old school. I want to go back to a passage of Scripture that is kind of well-known for some people, maybe not for others, but we're going all the way back to King James Version. How many of y'all grew up with the King James Version of the Bible? I did. I, that's all we had, man. I remember when the New American Standard came out, we are like, you can understand this. But the King James Version in Proverbs 29 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy is he that keepeth the law. So, where there is no vision, people perish. And, man, is there anywhere that that is truer than in the home and in the family, that, that we need a vision? Now, it's important that you understand that word vision from Proverbs 29. got to remember, King James Version of the Bible was written in 1601. So, word usage kind of changes, but the meaning remains the same. That word vision actually means a revelation from God. Something that God has revealed to you is the very thing that gives life. So where there is no vision or revelation from God, no message from God, people perish. But the flip side of that is equally true. Where there is a vision, the people flourish. Where there is the opportunity for people to receive a word from god about what their families ought to be like what their marriages ought to be like what their children get to be like then you see people who flourish those people who go after that tooth and nail and so as parents as moms in particular on this mother's day we wanted to kind of give you a a little paradigm shift if you will because i think most people especially moms most dads don't think about it that much but moms if we were to ask you what's your job as a parent, you would say, well, we want to raise healthy, happy kids. That's, that's what we want to do, happy, healthy children. I think most people in this room would go, you just, you preach that, boy. Yes, yes, amen, Mother's Day, happy, healthy children. But we want to spin that a little bit because that misses a significant mark of our job as parents, as your job as a mom. Yes, you want to raise healthy, happy children, but ultimately... Our job as parents is to raise happy, healthy adult children. Happy, healthy adult children is really the end game. And if I can just kind of put a very fine point on this, would we say happy, healthy adult children, we're talking about happy, healthy children who move out. I'm talking about kids who leave home and buy their own food. Would somebody help me preach? That's the goal. So, you know, our kids are in college, getting ready to go to college. We're going to help out. We're going to continue to do some stuff. But, man, very soon and very soon, I'm telling you, they're going to be buying their own car insurance. They're going to be paying their own rent on a rat-infested apartment. Whatever they want to do, that's up to them. Julie and I are going to travel. So, that's the goal. That's the role that God created. When God created mom and dad, he created mom and dad to create little moms and dads who then go out and do their own thing so that God's purposes are furthered in this world. That's what it's all about. So, In our household, our our vision for people to flourish, for Julie and me as husband and wife, and then hopefully to pass on to Emily and to Joseph, is to love God, love his house, the church, and to love his ways. That's it. And that has nothing to do with the fact that we pastor a church, that we're in this together and we get to do this. That's just what we do as a Christ-centered, God-first family. We're gonna love God, love the house. The church is gonna be a priority in our household. Man, so many times I hear parents say, Well, I don't wanna, I don't wanna force God on my kids. Listen, I get it. I know where that comes from. But the fact of the matter is, somebody is gonna teach your kids something about how to build their lives. Our job, our responsibility is to show them, to exemplify for them, but also to teach them that God's way works better for their lives that's what this is all about
1: I've never I've never heard a parent say you know what he's not really into it I don't want to force him to learn how to read I don't want to (laughs) you know what you know that your child's life will work better if he knows how to read if you believe that God's Word will help your child's life work better I don't understand why you wouldn't feel the same. We go to school, we go to church. We go to school, we go to church. Or help your
0: life work better.
1: Yes, absolutely. So
0: that's a great word. But anyway, I I say that on this Mother's Day because it matters what we teach our kids. I mean, what we give to them, what we instill in them, the things that we require of them for their benefit. It's for their good. We taught Emily and Joseph when they were very little. You don't tell lies, first of all, because you won't eat. But second of all... You don't tell lies because your life doesn't work well when you lie. If you're dishonest, nobody's going to want to hang out with you. You're going to go to jail for cheating on your taxes. Mommy and daddy don't want to come visit you in prison. So don't lie. So we teach them what works best in their lives in a loving environment, in a way that they, we communicate trust to them. They learn that they can trust us, and then they learn, oh, we can also trust God. We can also see that his ways work best in everything so that their faith becomes their faith. It's not about mom and dad. We knew early on with Emily and Joseph, we were never going to teach them to do anything because daddy's the pastor. No, that would have been, that's a, I mean, the the stereotype of preacher's kids, man, the ditches are littered with kids who grew up in in pastor homes and they did stuff because everybody's watching Life in a Fishbowl. Well, guess what? We're all in a fishbowl that's watching all of us so that's very very important
1: the verse where there is no vision people perish I want to go back to that for a little bit we um I like to call it 2020 parenting. It's parenting with a clear vision. 2020 is great vision. So 2020 parenting is not about the next 20 minutes. It's parenting toward the next 20 years. It's not about enduring the next 20 minutes. Your decisions are about enjoying the next 20 years. Your children enjoying the next 20 years. It's not about surviving the next 20 minutes. It's about thriving in the That's next right. 20 years. And that goes to whatever your child Age is. Whatever child your age is, if you're thinking, oh man, I should have done better. I should, have, we all think that. It's never too young to get started, and your kids are never too old to make a change. And so parenting with clear vision, teaching them to think, the decisions I make now will affect my life in 20 years. It's a shift in thinking. Parenting with clear vision, living with clear vision, making the relationship between the decisions you make and your life in 20 years. It's teaching your kids cause and effect. It's just reality. It's just common sense. But most of us, when we're parenting, when we're making decisions, <laughs> and all of those decisions that we make every day, we tend to look down and say, but everybody else is doing this, and, well, this makes her happy right now. And and instead, we should pick our heads up and say, what is the young adult that I want this child to become? What kind of 30-year-old you know, do I want this young man to be? And parent towards that, parent with purpose, parent on purpose toward what you want. It's really like my responsibility is a mom. And these children are given to me, and they're my responsibility when I bring them home. And parenting is a process. If you look at what happens physically, it's actually representative of what should happen emotionally. Um, spiritually and financially. You know, we bring the child home and it's with us and we're feeding it and we're so physically attached and then the child begins walking on his or her own and so gradually separating and we're holding hands and then the child moves into preteen years, a little more distance, and then they go off to college, a lot more distance. Do you see what happens physically? We have to be aware that that is what we should be doing emotionally, we should be moving in that direction, spiritually, setting our kids up to have their own faith, financially, training them up so they can buy their own food. It is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens a little bit at a time. I'm going to ask Emily to come up here. Emily, our 20-year-old, is home from college. So, Em, you come on up here, and we're going to act it out. Now, um, you may be surprised (laughs) to hear this, but... I did not run track and field in the Olympics, but I do watch it. And so, therefore, I know how this is supposed to look, okay? So just imagine with me. I've always pictured myself. I really do. I love the Olympics so much. I don't know if it's because I'm patriotic or what, but I love the Olympics. And so a track and field, you know, picture right here is making me feel like, I don't know, Mary and Jordan right now. Um, So, okay, I, I distracted myself. I'm sorry about that. So, This is, picture this, this is the baton of responsibility. The baton of what?
0: Responsibility. The baton of what? Responsibility.
1: I used to teach first grade. The baton of responsibility. Now, as mom, I take the baton of responsibility. Emily, when she first came home, was totally our responsibility. Feeding her, um, bathing her, brushing her teeth, all of that was my responsibility. Parenting is the process of teaching her. Nice form, ma'am. She did run track and field when they (laughs) made her in middle school. So. Teaching her responsibility is a process. As soon as Emily was physically able to strap herself in a car seat, guess what I did? I showed her how to strap herself in a car seat. I modeled it, I did it with her, and then I cheered her on as she did it. As soon as Emily was capable, physically capable, of feeding herself, I let her do it. I taught responsibility a little bit at a time. As soon as Emily, brace yourself, was able to complete her entire science project by herself, I allowed Emily to do that science project by herself. Way to go, Em. You did great job. And so I'm teaching responsibility. You see, I take responsibility. I teach responsibility with the end goal of Transferring responsibility.
0: That. Good. That's night.
1: right. Nice form, Emily. <laughs> now, what can happen because I love being a mom so much is when I teach responsibility and I'm a little concerned that Emily may get a red ribbon instead of a blue ribbon. And so I say, Emily, you've been up so late. You go on to bed and I'll finish that science project for you. Or, Emily's in eighth grade, and she has trouble with a teacher. And she comes home Hypothetic. sobbing. This is total I'm going to totally go. Yeah, hypothetical story. I can't understand anything she says. <laughs> she is. Her tests are so unfair. Sorry, Emily. Was that, that, that too close hypothetical. to home, A little too soon. <laughs> and so um, Emily comes to me. I, Emily, I'll email your teacher. Okay, I'll talk to her, honey. You go into bed. I will take care of this. You see, I'm teaching but I'm not transferring. Now, let me show you what happens when I teach and I don't transfer. Emily, try to run. (laughs) When I hang on to the responsibility and I don't transfer it, I'm keeping Emily from running in her lane. I'm keeping Emily from living the life that God has created her to live apart from me. And why do I do that? Because I want her to stay in my lane. I love being a mom. I don't want her to fail. I don't want her to hurt. I don't want her to struggle. And when I let that make my decisions, I keep her from living the life that God has created her to live. Now, Emily, I'm going to transfer responsibility, okay? You take off down there like... Now, once I transfer responsibility, the odds are pretty high that at some point, Emily will drop the baton. She will make a mistake, yes. Okay, mom and dad, our temptation is to run and pick up the baton for her. No. You know what my job is as mom and dad? Thanks, honey.
0: Good luck with that baton, Emily. We
1: save. We saved. You say, dropped something. Yeah. We say, Emily, pick up the baton. We cheer Emily on from our lane so that she can run in her lane. And you know what we're saying? When I stay in my lane and I cheer her on, I'm saying, hey, Emily, I believe in you. I believe in you. When I run, get the baton, I'm saying, bless her heart, honey, you tried, but you just can't do it on your own. You need mom. Nice job. you know, job. a lot of
0: times, though, you go pick that up because you're feeling like, well, I didn't teach her how to carry the baton right, so oh, I have to show her now. I'll, I'll get it. And again, mom this is usually guilt. moms. Dads don't do that usually, but sometimes they do. Sometimes dads do. Like, well, we didn't teach them how to do that, so we're going to pay their rent for the first three years after college. Man, <laughs> no. <laughs> Good luck. I believe in you, champ.
1: Because here, the, you know, right it's a if great you get point. work. When mom guilt is motivating my decisions, kidding, it takes princess. my eyes off the vision that God has given me. And when mom guilt sets in, when my child is 25, that's when I should say, hey, God, what is your vision for my child's life when he or she is 45? Let's say you haven't taught responsibility. It's never too late to make a change. If your child is 35, then you can say, you know what, sweetheart? We love you, we believe in you, therefore, we are passing the baton of responsibility because we want you to be happy and healthy at 55. Because the best thing for your adult child's marriage is for them to run in their own lane. Ooh. The best thing for your child's confidence is independence. That's right. The best thing for your child's future is to pass that dead gum baton of responsibility. There you nice go. job, Emily. Well done, nice M. job.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And it doesn't happen all at once. It is definitely a process. You, moms with newborns are crying. Well, I'm not ready for her to leave yet. It happens a little bit at a time. They don't leave that quick.
0: And I, and I tease about that, but you all know if you were here two years ago, when we took Emily to college, worst day of my life. It was awful. Julie cried so bad. <laughs> um, I, I cried. I sobbed, man. You know why I cried? Because real men cried. That's why I cried. So that was was a part of the process because I knew that from that moment on it would never be the same as it ever was. But it's not supposed to be. There's supposed to be these transitional moments, these pivot points in their lives and therefore in our lives. That's why, thank God, Julie and I had modeled for us by Ed and Lisa Young to date each other. So now as we're looking, staring down the empty barrel, the nest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Easy for you to say, didn't it?
0: <laughs> I talk for a living. No, as we're staring down the barrel of the empty nest, we're excited about it. I, I mean, we're, it's, it's going to be weird. It's going to be totally new. It's like, I don't remember life before kids, but I'm willing to try. So. But we're excited about it because we've worked on our relationship, our marriage. We still have fun together. And because of transferring that responsibility along the way, we're having more fun with college-aged kids now than we ever could have dreamed possible. We still have our moments like every family on the planet, but they are fewer and further between because Emily and now Joseph are beginning to carry the baton almost exclusively for their lives and it's exciting to see what God's doing in their lives. It's exciting to see Emily starting to think about, okay, what does life after college look like? What am I going to do? Where am I going to live? And to listen to her process through that as a dad, as a mom for Julie, man, we're excited about those kind of things, but it all comes back to that transfer of responsibility. Now, all day long today, we've talked about What that looks like, and we're talking about the circumstances and the situations of life that we navigate, particularly for moms, but all of us as parents. When in reality, what we're talking about is actually the most important responsibility that our kids will ever assume or appropriate for themselves, and that is the responsibility for their own personal relationship with Jesus that is bottom line that's what all of this is about Emily buying her own food Joseph going to college those things are important and they matter because of what it teaches them about life about who God is and about what they're capable of but ultimately it's about their relationship with Christ the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 9 if we confess our sins to him He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, I can't confess. Julie cannot confess Emily's sins for her. Emily has to take care of that. Joseph has to go to God and say, God, here are my sins. I confess them to you and claim your forgiveness. That's their job before God. Our job is. Is to show them how to do that and to point them towards Christ, to point them towards the grace and truth of God. But ultimately, that's their deal. That's what they have to do. So my job as a parent, Julie's job as a mom, is, as I said, to work ourselves out of a job, first and foremost, spiritually. You see, everything that we've talked about today in relationship to Mother's Day, in perspective, Two, parenting is ultimately pointing us toward the personal responsibility that every single one of us has for our own relationship with God. I don't know why you're here today. Some of you are here maybe out of guilt or because mom said, that's all I want, just go to church. And so you came. And that's cool. That's, That's great. But I believe, Julie and I believe, with everything that we have, That all of us are here by divine appointment. And if you're here today and you have never personally committed your life to Christ. You've never bowed the knee and surrendered your life to the only one who will never take advantage of your surrender. This may be exactly that moment. This may be the very reason God had you get here out of guilt to your mama. So that you could enter into a relationship with him. I want to ask everybody, if you would, just bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment, I want to ask you to not be stirring or moving around or worried about getting to Luby's on time. I just want you to really and truly move beyond the conversation of moms and parenting and responsibility, but get into where is Jesus in my life? Specifically, has there been a moment where you said, God, I'm all in. I give you my life. If you haven't, why not right now? Why not right now commit your life to Jesus? Just Right where you're sitting, just a prayer of commitment, a prayer of surrender. Just silently say to him, just say, right where you are, just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin to you. I claim your forgiveness. And I give you my life from this moment forward. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed because this is a holy moment. It's a moment that deserves the honor and the respect of just a bowed head and a bowed heart. And if you're here today and that was your prayer and you meant it, you need to know this is the greatest moment of your life this is the most significant moment and so I want to give you the opportunity just to stamp this moment in your mind and in your heart to make a note that this is real God did this and you responded to him once and for all you don't have to do that again next week to make sure that it took or A year from now, you just know that this is a a once-in-a-lifetime moment that begins a relationship. And so if that's you, I want to ask you if you would just quietly, as our heads are bowed, if you would just quietly raise your hand. Just raise it, but raise it high. Raise it unmistakably. And know that we want to be a church family to you. A safe place to explore and discover and grow in this new relationship and we honor that in your life the fact that God did it and the fact that you responded and so as a family of faith we celebrate that with you we celebrate that with a family tradition that we have is you put your hands down We like to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.